Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 137 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Uremchuk and Coomzy with you. Ah, they dropped two or three from the Strohs. We kind of felt like this was coming. It was not a great, like, vibes series heading into it. No, we didn't have amazing vibes coming into that, which is weird because they took two of three from Tampa, but that third one was so ugly that we came into it being, like, heading down to Houston, even though their record sucks, even though they're also coming off of a huge loss. The Astros are good. The Jays don't usually do well in Houston. Yeah, and watching games, like, the TV viewership of that game it always feels weird to me i don't know why yeah i don't know the camera work always feels weird. i can't remember what it was there it was in one of the i think it was in the second game the game they won a houston player hits like a lazy fly ball and the camera goes all the way up and it looks like the ball was going to be hit out of the fucking stadium and then it just lands in the fielder's glove it feels like that kind of thing always happens at houston it's a weird place i think the astros just have that vibe now Partially from being really good for a few years, and then partially the cheating scandal, too. Now they just they have a strange energy around them because of it. Yep. George Springer in his, uh, or I guess it's not his return, but it's always interesting to see him go back to that stadium. He uh, really didn't bring it at all in that Hard series. Uh, he had a tough time. Didn't get a single hit in the three games. We're going to talk about that and more. So let's dig into our three up, three down. The Jays dropped two or three to the Strohs, which means we start with the down. You have Kevin Gosman going in game one of the series, and you kind of think, okay, this is a good chance to at least get off on the right foot. That is not exactly how it went. Yeah, Kevin Gosman came into this game, and he had pretty quickly established himself as the Blue Jays' number one starter, and that's, you know, that coincides partially with Alec Manoa's had a rough time this year, as we know, but Kevin Gosman had been pretty much untouchable, and then you think, okay, we're going into Houston, we have our pretty much our number one guy going this is the game and we said this in the podcast the last episode this is the game where you narrow in and you're like we got to win this one and his first inning goes like this in the bottom of the first he allows a single he allows a fly ball walk double walk a guy reaches on catcher's interference double home run and then finally strike out fly ball and then Gosman all told to be fair to him like he settled down and logged some innings he winds up going four and two thirds damn near makes it through five and allows seven runs all those runs (laughs) coming in the first inning so I mean it's it's weird it's credit to him for battling but yeah like good for him for logging some innings and not completely like destroying the bullpen in game one but it's bizarre seeing Kevin Gosman get hit around like that it's hard not to speculate 
Are the Astros doing something goofy? You know the Astros. Yeah, I mean, the fact he settled down and eventually started getting guys out and struck out five, like, I'm going to say no to that. I know some people were bringing it up, and, like, it's always a fun tongue-in-cheek thing to do is be like, yeah, fuck the Astros. Like, they're definitely cheating. Um, But it's just, man, the Jays, I think, are up near the top in terms of first-inning ERA in the league. Yeah. I don't know what it is. If it's one of those things, like, I mean, some team has to be the worst that runs in the first inning, I suppose. And they have this thing where their pitchers will settle down. You think about Bassett, that first start he had, right? Where it was just like, gone, gone, gone. Oh, look at that. He somehow pitched into the fifth inning today. And it's like, why does this happen? I don't think it's like a preparation thing. I don't think it's a planning thing. I just, it might be one of those things that just goes away midway through the year. And we'll look back and be like, remember when the Jays kept getting tagged in the first inning? And we'll be like, oh yeah, that was weird. It's probably, yeah, it's probably a small sample size abnormality that comes down to I mean, none of their guys, like outside of Gosman, and even now it's kind of hard to say after the start against Houston, none of their guys have really been fantastic this year by any stretch. None of the five of them. I mean, <laughs> it's Gosman's been the best one, then who? Kikuchi? Maybe Barrios at this point? Maybe Bassett Manoa's really struggled. Seems like he allows a run in the first inning of every single one of his starts. So I imagine it was that. I, I don't really know what else to suggest. Like, I, I don't think the Jays are interested in going back to the opener thing, like, they did that. They did that for a few years back mm-hmm. when they were rebuilding and they had almost exclusively terrible starters that couldn't log five innings. So I'd be kind of surprised to see them do it, but who knows? Weird thing. Yeah. Weird sport. Our first down is just uh, Kevin Gosman kind of getting lit up in game one. And the Jays, to their credit, bounce back. They take game two. Um, things look good. Matt Chapman continues to hit his heater. We'll talk about that when we get to the ups. But the second down we have. Eighth inning, game three. The Jays make this thing a 2-1 ball game. And then they load up the bases. And there's none out. And it's Springer, Bo, and Vladdy coming up. And they fall flat on their faces. The Springer won a little bit of bad luck. Because mm-hmm. he hit that ball hard, just happened to hit it right at Alex Bregman. If it's a couple of feet in any other direction, it's probably a hard-hit single that scores one to two runs. Not the way it goes. Bregman snares it down, and then Bo and Vladdy both retire. Jays don't get anything with that bases-loaded situation. Then the Astros came up, and they did a lot with their bases-loaded situation, tagging on six more runs, and then they blow up the Jays by a score of 8-1. to That is about as bad of an inning as you could script. Yeah, that was infuriating because, you know, they split the first two games and they come into the third game, and you have a Barrios start. And we'll, we'll go a little bit more detail on Barrios and the ups. And he puts together his mm-hmm. best start we've seen since, like, last July. Um, and then it's the bottom of the order that sets the table nicely in the eighth inning. It's Alejandro Kirk hits a single. Santiago Espinal comes in to pinch run. Whit Merrifield, who's been really quite good recently, hits a double to drive him in. Then Kevin Kiermeyer takes a walk, does a neat little bat flip. It's like, oh, yeah, here we go. And this game had been so boring. Like, the Jays had had nothing going on. They've been losing 2-0 since the second inning. It looked like they were going to lose the game 2-0. And they make it 2-1 there, and then all of a sudden, walk from Kiermaier, bat flip. There's the energy there. It's exciting. Nathan Lucas, who's making his first actual big league start in a game as like a 28-year-old career quad A player, uh, he also draws a walk. And then as soon as the Springer line out to Bregman, Springer drills the ball, scalds it, hits it really hard. Bregman just puts his hand up and catches it. No facial expression. Like, it was the easiest thing ever. 
as soon as that happened, you kind of knew what was going to happen next. It was the, we joke about Bowen 2 a lot, but that was like the fastest Bowen 2 ever because he got called for the pitch yeah. clock, pitch clock violation immediately. So he's down 0-1, swings through another pitch, down 0-2 in like five seconds. And then Vladdy comes up. It was a uh, pretty solid at bat. He worked it full, but couldn't manage to find grass, hits a fly ball deep to center field. Very frustrating one. And then the the shitty thing about the the bottom half of that inning is Zach Pop had been really, really, yeah. really good this year. And we were all talking like, hey, here's one of our, maybe this guy's like a new high leverage guy. Yeah. I'm not going to take that away from him after one bad outing, but that's unfortunate. You don't, you, you, you hate to see that for him. Coming into that appearance, it he had nine appearances before that. He'd only given up a run. Forget earned runs. He'd only given up a run once. It was an earned run. But, like, again, some of his appearances were short ones, like one batter against the Rays a couple of times, but a few times where he went over an inning as well. And he only gave up a run once in nine appearances. So to have him come out and get tagged for four earned in that appearance, it, it sucks. His ERA balloons from 1.08 to a five, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, but I'm still, like, again, his stuff is there. This guy can be an impact reliever for this Jays team. I don't think... You know, he's not going to be all-star level or anything crazy like that this season. I'm not trying to convince anyone of that. I still think he's going to be a good arm for them, though. And I still think he's going to be dependable. Like, I view this one as an anomaly more than I would view the first nine appearances of the year as some sort of unsustainable heater. And then also the other thing is Adam Simber comes into the game and gets lit up as well. And I'm wondering if the Blue Jays should have brought in Anthony Bass to clean up the mess, if you know what I mean. <laughs> there were some jokes about yeah. that being thrown around. That's, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna follow him around for a long time. I would expect not but great. Yeah, that that eighth inning, and I mean, look, there's been a lot of bad innings that I we we've all watched in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays. But yeah. I don't know what it was, but there was something about that inning on Wednesday that was like the worst inning of baseball I've watched in a long time. And that's counting their implosion in the playoffs last year. That's that, I mean, there was this, this was infuriating um, seeing, seeing the big guys come up, not get it done. There's kind of a weird sentiment. And I saw some people bring this up on Twitter and I agreed with it is that sometimes you feel weirdly better about them scoring like a bases loaded or a guy on second with, nobody out situation when it's the bottom of the order guys yeah you i like do do you agree with that or is that just me being negative with recency bias like would you would you actually feel better with kirk merrifield and kiermeyer coming up with the bases loaded say that the top of the order set the table than you do vice versa there's something about the big three coming up in big situations that i don't know i don't always feel like they're gonna get it done i always feel like those huge breakthrough moments come from different players. And think about two guys that are gone now, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel. They were two guys that came through in the clutch a lot. So something kind of missing there a little bit. I think we've kind of been hinting at this for a few pods now. Like the lineup doesn't feel as deep and dangerous as it did last year, which is weird when a guy like Matt Chapman is still somehow one of the best hitters in the league through the first however many weeks of the season. But like, they still have the pieces there. Maybe it's because, you know, the guys like Varsho that we're just not quite fully used to yet. He hasn't given us those signature moments yet, which again, the season isn't even a month old. I'm not sitting here being like, God, why isn't Dalton Varsho hit like a walk-off home run for this team yet? Why isn't Dalton Varsho hit a big three-run bomb in the eighth for us yet? Like, it'll come. 
I think it's a bit of unfamiliarity with certain pieces in the lineup and a little bit of maybe we're just starting to get a little bit numb as a franchise to Bo and Vlad and them, right? They're no longer the flashy up and coming, whoa, can't believe he did this today kind of thing. They're losing their young prospect shine in a way. And we're starting to, as a fan base, because you watch them 150 plus times a year, you kind of start to notice their flaws a bit more than you do before. I think it's just a natural psyche fan thing. Yeah, that makes sense. We, I think, I think now as time has gone along, along, we notice now when they don't do it more so than when they do because yeah. we just have the expectations. So it probably is just a negative recency bias thing on my part. That's they, his whole team in general right now, though, right? Like you look at the way the start of this season has kind of gone. There's really no reason to be upset with the way the season has started for the Jays. They're eleven and eight. But when you combine it with the rest of the AL East and the big expectations we had coming into the year, it's kind of like, ugh, 11 and 8. Like, I would have liked 13 and 6 to start the year personally. Yeah, that's the problem. Is <laughs> right? you, just, you just pull up the standings on your laptop and it's like, that's the issue. It's like, they really haven't been bad at all. Yeah. Losing 2 out of 3 in Houston to the defending World Series champions is not a bad thing. It's fine. But they're they're now, what? what is it? They're, they're like 5 games back of Tampa now who just plowed through Cincinnati. The Orioles are on fire now. They're ahead of the Jays. The Jays have the worst run differential in the in the division. Yeah, and it's like it, it, it already feels in April like there's must-win games. Yeah, that is not a great feeling. And you would have liked them to get out to a bit yeah. of a better start. So I mean, just 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 the reality of the circumstance makes theme things seem underwhelming. It's probably not that much to read into. A lot of thinking yeah. out loud from me here, but just 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 trying to process what's going on. So <laughs> I looked up just again. The Jays with runners in scoring position and two outs. They have the worst OPS in the league at 455. In the whole league, they're the only team with an OPS below 500. So worse than like Oakland. Worse than Colorado, Oakland, everyone. That's worst insane. in the league. Their batting average in those situations is also the worst in the league at 134. What? Second worst is 164. They're like 30 points behind, or they are 30 points behind second last in the entire major leagues. That is crazy. Yeah, I'll never be able to wrap my head around this. It feels like... It's the clutch hitting thing. We did this last year, too, at we some point. this. Like... God. Yeah, it's weird. We, uh, I think this 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 happened in 2016. We we're expecting the 2015 team again. Didn't happen. We've been expecting the 2021 team, and I don't think it's going to happen. The Jays are different now. They're they're not the 21 Blue Jays that hit hit like crazy, and they're going to score yeah. the most runs in the league by a wide margin. They're going to have the best batting average in every single situation, no matter what. They're a different team now. They're they're supposed to be a team built around strong pitching and good defense and a strong core and then core of hitters and then, you know, guys that get on base with some wheels who can do some damage like a, like a Kevin Kiermaier, Dalton Varshow. Yeah. But, you know, they're not the murderer's row nine home run hitters anymore. So I guess maybe we have to look at the Jays in a slightly different way. And so it's also weird because heading into this series, Bo, Vlad, and Chapman were just off to unbelievable starts too, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's also another thing. You look at yeah. the start and you're like, eleven and eight, good, good, not great, fine, pretty good. And they did so with those nuclear starts from those three guys. They can't keep that up for the entire season. Matt Chapman's not going to keep up the twelve hundred OPS the entire way. You know, yeah, no, probably not. But he's batting three ninety seven. Like both Bo and Vladdy are also still hitting well above three hundred. Three thirty eight for Vladdy, three fifty four for Bo. So. I remember there was a point in time where Vladdy had walked like. 
significantly more than he had struck out. I think mm-hmm. he only struck out like twice and he had walked like six times. Yeah. And I he mean, had one strikeout in his first 29 plate appearances. This yeah. Year. You just, it's impossible to keep all that up. So yeah. hopefully some other people start, start heating up. Maybe the starting pitchers will start to pitch better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's get into uh, the positives from that sure. series against the Houston. Uh, the first one centered right around that win in game two. Chris Bassett was very good. Ever since he got lit up in that first start, he's taken steps towards improvement. This guy scattered three hits, didn't give up an earned run, struck out five, pitched into the seventh. That is the calling card of Chris Bassett for me. Pitch into the deep six, seventh inning consistently. And I will be thrilled if he can be the guy who's right in the middle of your rotation, who you can look at and go, our bullpen won't get taxed on those days. He will be worth the money they're paying him. I, I love that start against Houston because, again, even with Altuve out, that is a challenging deep lineup. He went out there, faced them all at least three times and worked through it and got the job done. I liked that kind of horse effort from Bassett. Yeah, that was it was easily the best start we've seen from him. And. To his credit, after getting lit up in uh, in St. Louis in that first game, he he did put up quality starts against the Angels and the Tigers. Though those quality starts were a little bit like, because eh, in one of them he walks five guys, the other one he walks three guys, you know, giving up some hard contact. But that start against Houston was legitimately good. He only allows the three hits, only walks one guy, five strikeouts. And it comes against, um, you already mentioned the Astros, they're a deep lineup, even minus El Tuve. But this is a team that, they're 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 in the American League West, and Bassett spent the majority of his career in Oakland. So a lot of these hitters know him really well, and he still pitched really well to them. He yep. it it didn't look like one of those you know he goes into face guys that are very familiar with him and they tee off. It was really a, a very strong pitching performance, and that's really what you'd like. You'd like for him to make it into the sixth or seventh inning each time, and you know he's getting better as time goes along. I think. Anybody who was really uncomfortable after his start in St. Louis um, and wrote him off after that, like, that's way too fast. And also another thing to point out here is he's really found his groove pitching to Alejandro Kirk. There, mm-hmm. the, the expectation was that he was going to pitch to Danny Jansen, the more veteran catcher. And as we remember in St. Louis, that did not work out. And since then, he's been pitching to Kirk, and things have been going really well. That so, is interesting. Positive. Kirk's, Kirk's made himself the personal catcher for another guy, it seems. Yeah. That's something where as you head down late in the season, that really affects your playing time. So for Kirk, I mean, if you can keep that better bat in the lineup, like he's just making himself more and more valuable to this team. Uh, Jose Barrios is our second up. Oh, baby. Second straight good start from Jose Barrios. Seven innings, two earned runs, only three hits, only three strikeouts, which was weird from a Jose Barrios start. But, oh, he's not back yet. No one's saying he's back yet. But everyone has the thought, everyone was watching him finish off the seventh inning against that Astros team, and everyone in the back of their head. You can deny it if you want to, but you were thinking, ooh, he might be back. He might be. He looked good. And we're not going to say it just yet, but we're thinking it. That's the that's the thing, man, is um, good vibes only. You see, you see Jose Barrios make a start like that, and you're just going to tell yourself, you know what? I want to believe. And the interesting thing, you bring up the strikeouts. You remember all of his, whenever he makes his bad starts, you can usually tell in the first inning when it's going to be a shitty Jose Barrio start yeah. because he doesn't strike anyone out. <laughs> Everyone's making contact with everything. But the Astros were making a lot of contact in this game, but it was a lot of soft contact. It was almost like, it was like a vintage, uh, it was kind of weird to call him vintage because he's so young, but a vintage Alec Manoa start where he's just 
commanding the zone and getting all these soft little dinky hits and everything's landing in a glove. Like for Barrios in that start, it was only one sequence that was bad. He hits a batter and then walks a guy and then allows a double to, I think the guy was batting like eighth or ninth in Houston's order. And it's like, well, that's unfortunate. And at that time, this was in the second inning of the game. It looks like he's going to completely unravel. And then he just tosses five more innings after that. So that's absolutely what you'd love to see. I think I think a lot of us have really written off the idea of Barrios bouncing back to, to being what he was when the Jays acquired him in 2021. But man, if that could happen... If he could just be like a consistent four ERA starter who pitches mm-hmm. six innings, it'd be such a game changer for this team. Such a game changer. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the intrigue with getting Bassett, too, was the way he could potentially stretch out their rotation if everything were to break well, right? If it was like, okay, Manoa's your number one, the electric ace. Kevin Gosman, the reliable high-end veteran who could still probably sneak his way into the Cy Young conversation. Then it's like, Bassett, your workhorse at three. And then it was like, whoa. If Jose Barrios bounces back, he'd be the best number four in arguably all of baseball. And it didn't go that way off the jump. But now that Barrios is starting to piece together a few things here, it's like, man, I you still need to see more. I'm sure there'll be some bad starts mixed in. But he's showing that, again, doing it against two good teams. That can't be overlooked in this, Coopsie. The Rays and Astros are World Series mm-hmm. contenders. And Barrios went and pitched well against them. That gives me the confidence in my head that, like, okay, down the stretch, like, Maybe we could trust Jose Barrios to go give good innings in a big game. Like, it's just, it's not there yet, but now the conversation can happen. Whereas 10 days ago, sorry, 12 days ago, it would have been like, you're insane. We're not talking about that. He needs to throw three good innings before we talk about this guy being back. Well, now we're starting to do things like that. It was his first start going seven innings since last July. He went seven innings in a win over the Detroit Tigers. Hmm. And unlike the Rays and the Astros, as you mentioned, the Detroit Tigers are not good. They were not good last year. They're not good this year. Um, so doing that against uh, those teams, more impressive. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to believe. But if he comes out next start and does a Jose Barrios bad start and lays an egg, I will be devastated. Yeah, it's making me root for him that much more. It's gone from like when he was getting lit up before, it was like pure frustration. It was like, God, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Now he's got the Kikuchi. Do we want to call it like what? The Kikuchi stink? Like where you're sitting there and you're like, it's not stink. It's the opposite of that. Where he's becoming lovable. You hate seeing him get lit up. You want him to do well. Kikuchi's in that boat where like, turn on the jets, let's go. Yeah, because there's there's almost no expectations, right? Like, I'm a work, like I'm gonna sit here and tell myself just just to be positive, just to have good vibes. Hey, you know what? Jose Barrios is gonna bounce back, and it's gonna be fun. And whenever he does have a good outing, you feel so good about it. You're like, oh yeah, it's the revenge tour. He's yeah. coming back. He's here become lovable. Go. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And then when they're bad, you're just like, ah, doesn't matter. I well, ah, well they're bad. Who cares? Blah blah blah. I'll just turn it off. No expectations. So. That's, I think that's where I'm at with Jose Barrios. Let's uh, hope for the best, expect the worst. Why not? Maybe. The third up we had, I mean, we talked about, you know, some bottom of the lineup contributions really working out well for the Blue Jays. How about Whit Merrifield, who's quietly having himself quite a nice little season here, Coombsy. He had a couple of multi-hit games in that series against the uh, Houston Astros. was a big reason why they almost had a positive eighth inning in that third one, right? Like he had a nice hit down the line, scored a run or drove in a run with it. Uh, Whit Merrifield maybe starting to show signs of like a young Whit Merrifield. I think when like through the summer or sorry through the winter 
he was kind of an afterthought, right? They yep. acquired him at the deadline. He came in and gave him some good moments. Like, he remember, remember at the Trop when he had that series last yeah. year that was just like absolutely lights out? Over the winter, we kind of didn't think about him as a piece that was going to be impactful. He was like a Cavan Bijou after that. We're like, oh, he'll like get some innings in the outfield, maybe play a little second base, whatever. It's it's uh, it's Whit Merrifield. But man, I've been impressed with him. He's batting 314 this year somehow. It's easy to forget that this guy, man, he was, um, and it's because he was on those Royals teams that were so bad. He just missed out on coming up in, you know, 2014 when they made their run and lost to the Giants, and then 2015 when, yeah, we all know. But he comes up in 2016 and makes his debut, and the Royals by then are dog shit. And then 2018, 2019, he leads the American League in hits. And he's one of those guys that plays every day. 2019, 2020, 2021, he plays 162 games. He plays 60 games in the COVID year, 162 games again. And then it was 2022 where he had a bad season. His OPS dips all the way down to um, 643 at the time of the trade to Toronto. And after, after getting traded to the Jays, he was actually pretty good. He puts up a 281 batting average. His OPS is 769. He had a lot of big um, big moments for the Jays in September, um, just kind of at the bottom of their lineup, making them a little bit deeper. And I think this year it's it's become really quite obvious that he's the starting second baseman. Like there was, yeah. there was if, the view was it was going to be some some group platoon thing, maybe Bgo Espin all the lefty righty thing, and then try and find Mary Field the spot wherever he fits, whether that's you know left right second somewhere. But he's been one of their best hitters this season, and I'd rather just see him play in the lineup every day than sit on the bench. It's it's I think it's pretty clear to me. This it's guy, at the point where yeah. you find ways to keep him in. He's good. He's yeah. a, he's a he's a solid player. And he get like he doesn't give you bad at bats. Like sometimes with these guys lower in the lineup, where like oh they're on like a nice heater. At some point it goes back to like oh, okay or like you know they'll go one for four and like with Biggio he'll rope a hit and like hit it hard and you're like damn. And then his other three at bats are like shit swings. He's striking out in four pitches and like that's it. Yeah, that's the thing. Merrifield's very different. He he always seemed. He has those professional at-bats, ones yeah. where he sees quite a few pitches, and it seems like it's advantageous to the next mm-hmm. guys because he makes that, makes that pitcher work, yep. which, which isn't always the case with some of the- Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The younger guys on the team. Yes. All right. Those are our three up, three down for the series against Houston. We'll take a look around Major League Baseball and take a look at what's coming for the Jays after this. All right, Coombsy, there are a couple of headlines that I want to touch on, but perhaps none bigger than what came out of Oakland this morning. And this one, uh, the A's are heading to Las Vegas. This is a statement from the Oakland A's. I'll read it off if anyone listening hasn't heard it yet. Uh, The A's have signed a binding agreement to purchase land for a future ballpark in Las Vegas. We realize this is a difficult day for our Oakland fans and community. For more than 20 years, the A's have focused on securing a new home for the club and have invested unprecedented time and resources for the past six years to build a ballpark in Oakland. Even with support from fans, leaders at the city, county, and state level, and throughout the broader community, the process to build a new ballpark in Oakland has made little forward progress for some time. We have made a strong effort or a strong and sincere effort to stay here. We recognize this is very hard to hear. We're disappointed that we have been unable to achieve our shared vision of a waterfront ballpark. As we shift our focus to Vegas, we continue to share details about the next steps. I have a couple of things on this. One, this stadium apparently won't be ready until the 2027 season. Wow. So are they going to stay in Oakland That's sad. for three and a half years? People don't go to those ball games now as is. If they're going to be junk and you've bailed on them, I don't know how you stay there. I don't know how, yeah, as a player you feel about that. Like, you know that you're going to up and leave in a few years. Yeah, this sucks, man. Like, I, I genuinely feel bad for Oakland fans, so I'm not going to be doing any, like, you know, they're 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 usually kind of an easy team to make fun of, like, you go out west and the stadium's half empty. It looks like a football field. Well, it is a football field, and it just looks like kind of a joke. Um, yeah. But, no, the the athletics are, you know, they've been in Oakland since, well, they moved from Kansas City in 1968. So they've been there for a half century, and they're a storied franchise there. Yeah, They've had amazing moments with some really cool players. And then also after that, you have the whole money ball thing, the great movie, those really interesting teams, uh, the Billy Bean thing. I don't know. Um, I'm I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in the Oakland Athletics and the Bay County and stadiums in California and this and that, but it seems unfortunate. I don't really believe the words that are in that release there at all. That no. the ownership put in any kind of effort to stick because around the fucking Oakland. taxpayers yeah. won't build you a stadium with yeah. a bunch of townhouses and condos next Sucks. to it that you can make a shitload of money off of. Like fuck yeah. off. Yeah, exactly. And the 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 owner there saved so much money. Um, as they say in, in Moneyball, they like to keep the money on the field, and that's why the players pay for pop in the room. Um, yeah, the, the, it, it just sucks what they're doing right now specifically. The A's at the time of recording are 3-16. and 16. They put no effort into putting together a competitive team. Everyone's been traded away. You know, Matt Chapman goes, um, Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Bassett, Marcus Semien. Think about all the pretty good players they've had over the past few years. Where and if they would have kept them yeah, right now, how good they'd be this year. They'd be year. a good team. Like, I'm just looking at uh, up and down at their, their best guys of wins above replacement in the past few years, and all of these guys are still in the league <laughs> they're all still good and they they just showed no interest and um i feel bad for the fans who have been fans of the a's their whole life and i saw this tweet today from this person saying i looked forward to you know 
taking my um, my 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 kids and my grandkids eventually to their first Oakland A's game, like my dad and my grandpa did, and it's like, damn, that's heartbreaking. Depressing. Yeah, that sucks. Like I I I truly feel for them. That's, yeah, that's awful. It sucks losing a team, man. Like that's brutal. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this who are of an older generation than us were probably at some point or could have been Expos fans, right? Mm-hmm. And I know some Expos fans don't like the Blue Jays, but I'm sure there is some carry <laughs> over there, and you can relate to the pain. Like it sucks. I remember my dad. Like my dad was an Expos fan. He was super broken up about it when they left, and the team he adopted when they left was the Oakland A's because he was like, ah, oh, kind of oh. similar. And yeah, no, tough, tough little run here for my dad. Maybe this will finally push him to being a Jays fan. Maybe, probably. Though not. on the other side of this. I don't hate the idea of there being a ball team in Vegas. I just could have came through expansion. Yeah, it could have been an expansion. I, I feel bad for Oakland, but I think of the Vegas, whatever they're mm-hmm. called, the fifty ones. Well, so what's interesting too? So I wondered about this. This stadium not being ready until twenty twenty seven. I don't know how. It's a terrible look for the league if you roll into Oakland three more years <laughs> and you're playing in front of two thousand people. Horrible. Vegas does have a very very nice. Triple A stadium. Do, yeah. I've been there. Um, it's out by like the Red Rock Casino or whatever. It's off the strip. It's pretty far off the strip as well. It is a minor league ballpark, but if you're only going to be putting two thousand people uh, into the Oakland Coliseum and it's going to look like shit, whatever, maybe you're smart to just do what the Arizona Coyotes are doing in hockey yeah. and say, hey. We're going to go play in a minor league stadium for a couple of years till our new one's ready, and we're going to get out of Oakland because I think it's a worth. It's better to be in a very nice minor league stadium and say, hey, it's weird for a couple of years, but look, we're finally in Vegas. Better to do that than to be like, hey, Oakland, hope you keep supporting this dying team that we're eventually taking from you. Yeah, that's sad. Like dangling the corpse of the athletics in front of their fans like that. Yeah, maybe they can have some fun summer evenings at the ballpark over those three years. But to me, that just seems like... I don't know, hanging out with a girl that cheated on you. It just, it's, it's not, not fun. So, um, the, the, the Vegas ballparks here on Wikipedia says that it holds 10,000 fans, though oh. their, their record attendance is 12,100. I don't really know how that works, but it's a pretty big stadium. I went there for a 51s game. It was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, why not? Were you there after they renovated? Uh, no, it would have been before I went, uh, in 2012. 12 or 11 when it was still the Jays triple A team. Ah, so I went right before the pandemic. It was the year before the pandemic. I shouldn't say right before. And like the way they've upgraded it to have like bars in the outfield and a lot of like standing rooms, very Jays esque. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's actually like a pretty cool spot. If it holds 10,000, it should be a no brainer to go play here for a couple of years. Yeah. Like don't let Oakland just sit there and no, it's, die it's, on the vine. It's, it's mean. It sucks. Yeah. Unless they're going to inexplicably put in an effort to win, which obviously they wouldn't. They're just going to... I'm interested to see if that ownership group will start putting in an effort to win. Same ownership group, right? It's not like they're being sold to someone who's putting the team in Vegas. It's the same crew going to Vegas. So, like, our revenue is going to shoot up. And are they still like, going to be a Moneyball team there? Well, that's what, I'm, yeah. that's what I mean. Or are they going to be like, oh, no, we're in Vegas. Like, we need to start spending. Are they still the A's there, too? Because they were the A's in Kansas City and Philadelphia. Las Vegas Athletics, yeah. you got to keep that, right? I that that so? would suck because they've been a team since 1901, Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 You don't want to lose that. Uh, other stuff we saw from around the league, and I know we're running long here, so we'll work to wrap this up. Otani could be traded if Angels fall out of contention. If. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge if. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my reaction to that is no shit. Probably don't want to let that guy walk for free. No. Well, you could get your compensatory draft pick. Give him a qualifying offer. Maybe he yeah. says yes. $20 million, one year no, deal. No, you trade him to the Jays <laughs> straight up for Ricky Tiedemann at the deadline. Yeah. 
That was one of your big predictions. It was. The Jays are <laughs> going to acquire Shoei Otani. I, that's what I said. Joey Votto as well. I'm going. Brandon Belt's holding up his end of the bargain. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to LA to watch or to cover Oilers Kings games three and four and Saturday is our off day Angels play Saturday Otani pitching Ooh, I'm very excited for that that's exciting um, but the Otani that that trade rumor of him going anywhere wherever he's gonna be that is not dying at all this year no even if the Angels are in a wild card spot like three weeks ahead of the deadline it'll still be like Okay. Every time they lose, it'll be like, "Oh, Otani, watch! Like, what's gonna happen?" They're they're currently nine and nine, and at this moment, they're losing five two to the Yankees, which would put them at nine and ten. Uh, and yeah. the Texas Rangers are currently running away with the American League West at twelve and six. Very weird, weird, weird stuff. The other interesting thing that came up here is Major League Baseball is experimenting with more rule changes. They just cannot get enough. They're they're doing some goofy stuff down in the. Atlantic League, that indie league that they have a partnership with for, for being their lab rats for these kinds of things. And the next thing they have on in, in line here is the use of a designated pinch runner where you have a guy who's not otherwise in the starting lineup and that player can be substituted at any point into the game as a runner. And then when the inning's over, they're not just in the game. They don't have to field. They go back on the bench and the next inning they can run for somebody else. So like... Basically, the Jays could have Nathan Lucas on the bench. And anytime Alejandro Kirk gets on base, Lucas can go run. I don't like that at all. No. That's too much. That's too far. It, in, uh, it, yeah. o- it opens the door for this whole thing where you have nine guys hitting and nine guys fielding, <laughs> a handful of guys running, and some guys pitching. It's Look, I understand the universal DH and all that. Um, I wasn't actually hugely in favor of that. I was a National League, uh, old school kind of guy, whatever. Um, I can kind of get this for, for the thought of, um, you, you have like a guy who's maybe a little injured, who's coming back from an injury and you can bring him back a month earlier because, um, he's not having to run the bases, just has to bat. But eh, I don't know this, it, it, it's taking away from the authenticity of baseball and turning it into, I don't know, some kind of thought experiment. Like a freaking beer league when someone's yeah. like, oh, my knee's bugging me, but I want to try rake dingers. Like, can someone run from the backstop for me? Could you like, imagine if that's actually what it was? A guy got to stand at the line and start running. The other off. guy just hits his, like, double and walks to the bench. Fuck, that'd be yeah. funny. This, yeah. this stuff's too stupid. much. That's stupid. a little too much. All right, let's take a look at the Jays taking on the New York Yankees. Yes, I know you're listening to this. You're driving wherever, and you are jittering with excitement to see Yusei Kikuchi take to the bump against the Yankees. The Jays tweeted out a photo shoot they did with Kikuchi in Central Park. I don't know why they did that, but <laughs> fuck it. Uh, but the second game of this series is the big one. Manoa Garrett Cole. That is a p- appointment must-watch television. Yeah, Alec Manoa needs to, needs to have a good start in that one. He's, he's made himself... Um, I don't know. He's made himself pup, one of the public enemy number ones there, a real rival down in New York. He, he in the offseason, appeared on a talk show with someone. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Serge Ibaka, the NBA player, the former Raptor. I think it was his cooking show. And he said that Garrett Cole is the biggest cheater in the history of either sports or baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, okay. 
But and then there was also the thing last year where he said, "Come and meet me at the Audi sign where they have that advertisement on Yankee uh, the field at Yankee Stadium." Well, he said like he can walk past the Audi sign or whatever. He's yeah, got a problem with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like come, basically come and fight me. And Alec Manoa has always been really good against the Yankees, uh, specifically good at Yankee Stadium. Think about his big league debut back in 2021. It was seven innings of. I'm pretty sure he put up a shutout or allowed one earned run, something like that. His ERA at Yankee Stadium is like below two. So, I mean, Yankees fans are going to be booing him, <laughs> like, harder than they boo anybody else. They really want to see him do poorly. Things have not gone well for him so far this year. He's going up against Garrett Cole, the guy he's kind of made his rival. Alec Manoa really needs to be the real Alec Manoa that we know and love. Seeing him get lit up on Saturday at Yankee Stadium would be bad news, Bears. Yeah, that would suck. That would be tough. Uh, in game three of this series, we're getting Kevin Gosman against Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt, ERA of 879. Clark on, shit. Yeah, that's more like it. Uh, his last appearance came against the LA Angels a couple days ago, where he pitched three and two-thirds, gave up six hits and four earned in each of his last three starts. He's failed to pitch into the fifth inning and has given up at least three earned runs. That is a matchup. Like, I'm just looking at this. You can win one of these first two. And that Gosman start needs to be a victory. I am I am two of three, or I have questions about this team. They should win two of three, given who they have going. Yep. They, they, There's they no really excuse. Should. No excuse. Your bat's got to wake up. A guy like George Spring, you don't get a hit against the Astros. Wake up. Like, come on. Let's start... Let's start making a statement here in the AL yeah. East. They made a statement against the Rays when the Ra- they, they, they ended the Rays' winning streak and then beat them again. That was a huge statement. That was awesome. Unfortunate they lost 2-3 or three to the Astros in their own barn, but you got to go into New York with, with your best two starters. And when I say my best two starters, I mean Gosman and Kikuchi, of course. No, but not actually. Manoa and Gosman going in a series, you have to win two. You got to. You got to yeah. do it. Let's do it. Otherwise, I'm going to freak out. Any interest in scooping up the recently DFA'd Madison Bumgarner? You know, honestly, like this time last year, I'd have said Pete can fix him. But given the way the pitchers have gone recently, I don't believe Pete can fix him. Also, we got enough. We got enough on our plate. We're trying to fix Barrios. We're trying to fix Kikuchi. We're trying to make sure Bassett doesn't go fully off the rails. Manoa's struggling. The only thing I would say is... We saw him when he was at his best come out of the pen in some big games and like look good in those World Series games. I, For whatever reason, my brain goes that, and I go, if you dialed them up and you said, hey, man, we're going to send you down to Buffalo for a bit, you're going to work on a few things, and you're going to come up, we're going to try to turn you into a reliever. Maybe that gives him like second life. If he gets released and they can bring him in on a minors-only deal, then that's fine. But I wouldn't want to be removing somebody from the forty man for him. Okay, that's fair. that's that's where I'm at. Yep, that's I fair. wouldn't want to DFA some. Yeah, geez, some some. I'm trying to think of a fringe pitcher, and then I'm landing on Thomas Hatch, and I'm like, okay, I actually don't care yeah. if they DFA Thomas Hatch for Madison Bumgarner. I will be just fine. So I changed my mind. Sure, let's do it. Just, to, I mean, we've seen guys before go and extend their careers by a little bit. Who's the, and I mean, he didn't have the high ceiling, but the Angels right now have Matt Moore, right? Yeah. And that's the guy who did exactly that. He started getting lit up as a reliever. And then he went to the bullpen and found a way to extend his career. Yeah, you never know. It's not the craziest thing. He can be um, the Blue Jays' Andrew Miller out of the pen we've been looking for since the Cleveland crew took over. We haven't had yet. The last time the Jays <laughs> took a... F- I mean, <laughs> let's look at their track record at taking flyers on pieces of the San Francisco Giants dynasty. 
Sergio uh, Romo, that worked great. Yeah, Brandon Belt. It's going it. okay. At this point, I would honestly um, bring Tim Lincecum come back. I always thought oh. he'd make a phenomenal oh. reliever. I would be so happy if Tim Lincecum come pitch for the Blue Jays. I love him. Got to bring it up. There was once a time they could have acquired him before his prime for Alex Rios, and they didn't do it. Just like how they could have uh, flipped Josh Donaldson for Jack Flaherty. Ah. 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 Son of a gun. We went 40 minutes. We got to wrap this bad There's boy up. There's a lot of things to talk about. Coombsy, three against the Yankees in the Bronx. I like the chances of you and BK. Maybe BK, I should say. Maybe BK. Maybe BK. We're going to hit up BK if you're listening. We're hitting you up to do Sunday's pod. <laughs> uh, you and whoever, because I won't be available. I like the chances of you guys recapping a positive series against the Yankees. Enjoy. Yeah, good vibes only. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.